write this down for our subheading on today. For some time, we have been talking under our main heading, trapped by your traditions, being that men who are somewhat confined because of religious rituals, trying to justify themselves before God based upon self-effort. And throughout this teaching, we have learned that the traditions of man, those things that are beyond the Word of God that has been handed down, has made the Word of God of no effect. In other words, when we move outside of God's Word, it loses its potency, its effectiveness in our lives. <laughs> yes, it loses its power or authority. Why? Because we are out of agreement. And that has been a case for a lot of believers. They love God. They, they have a relationship with God, or at least they think they have a relationship. Well, they have a relationship with God, but it's not in light of his word for many because they're trying, again, to justify themselves, daughter, by their own effort through works, not understanding that our justification comes by way of the finished work of Jesus. So as a result, you have a lot of people uh, somewhat living still in bondage. And throughout this uh, teaching, we took on another subheading, under grace. So we, we have been talking about under grace. I'm going to say under grace. And, and we've dealt with all of the preliminaries for we're no longer, un, for we're not under the law, we're under grace. So I want to uh, give you this on today. Let's write this down for a subheading today, position versus practice. Position versus practice. Now, last couple of weeks, we dealt very significantly with the sin debt has been paid. Yes, the sin debt has been paid. So there should be no more sin consciousness, man of God. Why? Because the sacrifice, our sacrifice has been satisfied. The debt that was owed to God because of what Adam did was satisfied through the finished work of Jesus. So the wrath, the punishment that came as a result of sin, we have escaped God's judgment now. Who's, who remembers sin that's in the Word of God? So there should not be any trepidation when you fall short of his glory. Why? Because the sin debt that brought about the punishment has been secured or it has been finished or paid in full. So I shouldn't be. Now, there, again, I always have to say this. That doesn't mean that there are no consequences behind your actions. But we have to stop saying, God did this to me because I fell short. Perhaps if had not you made that crazy decision, this thing would have not happened. Then on top of that, in this world, there are going to be things that will try to oppose you because of your righteous stand with the Lord. So I'm not saying that things won't try to oppose you. But everything that comes to oppose you is not God trying to get your attention. Again, he gets your attention by talking to you. He corrects his children through his word. Are you here? Now, it may cause you to wake up, but we have to stop declaring that this is the wrath of God because I slipped up and said a word that's not godly. Are you here? But the more you practice, the less you'll find your words saying words that are ungodly. 
Are you here? So the last couple of weeks we dealt with the sin debt has been paid. So there should be, because of the blood of Jesus, we, our conscience has been cleansed. And again, the, the most important relationship that you and I will ever have is our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the most important relationship that you will ever have is the one that you have with Christ for those of us who are believers. And the reason being, having that relationship, and again, it's about a relationship. And in order to serve God, again, and I can't say enough, in order for us to serve God freely and fully, we have to understand him correctly. So if my view of God is wrong, then the way I conduct myself in this relationship will be wrong. And since we have, for the most part, have had a flawed gospel handed down, that's why a lot of us find ourselves trying to make ourselves right before God by a bunch of religious works. So we don't feel right if there are certain things we don't keep. And again, our righteousness before God is not based upon what we do. It's based upon what Jesus did. Be good, do good, walk upright, but it's not your walking upright that makes you right before God. You walk upright because you know that you're right before him. So, and we dealt with the sin, and we gave it a definition on sin, and uh, of course it literally means missing the mark. Or the one I like is missing the mark of falling short of the moral standard of God's perfect goodness. It means guilt, fault, rebellion, okay? Loss or forfeit because not because of one not hitting the target. Then we, we showed you, we walked, walked you through the word of God, and we showed that sin had its origin or beginning in Lucifer. So it it entered the world through Lucifer or Satan, uh, who we know as Satan, but it entered humanity or man through who? Adam. So it didn't originate with Adam. It originated with Lucifer. Are you with me? Now, uh, and here's another thing. And throughout this teaching, I've been praying that the Lord would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him or in the knowledge of, you know, you really understanding your relationship with him and causing your eyes to be enlightened. See, you have to get this, beloved, because, and here's the thing, when the wrong message has been taught for so long, when the right message, man of God, comes along, it, it's, it's shunned. It's heresy. It's, ah, that's too good to be true. Well, that's the kind of God we serve. Are you with me? Romans chapter number five. And we're going to show you something here today. And I want to read verses 18 through 21. Now, and, and I would admonish you, man, when you, in your leisure, maybe you could do it this week, read the whole letter to the church of Rome. And, and just to kind of give you some understanding 
uh, Romans is an excellent way to under well an excellent way to understand this particular epistle is to look at it as a dialogue between Paul and some unnamed objector. Okay, so look at it as a dialogue between the Apostle Paul and someone who is opposing his message. And what Apostle Paul does, he sets forth, as he sets forth the gospel message, uh, he seems to hear this objector raising all kinds of arguments against the gospel, okay? So the apostle replies to his opponent's questions one by one, and there are about 11 significant questions that are answered throughout uh, this epistle, and he answers every one of these objectors' questions. So by the time he is finished, he answered every major attitude that man can take regarding the gospel of the grace of God. So, and I'm saying that to say, and we're under grace, and Paul deals with every major obstacle or that which man would try to bring against the gospel of grace. He answers it throughout the book of Romans. Are you here? So here in chapter 5, he's answering, we're picking up around verse 18, but in chapter 5, he's he's answering one of the questions. In this question he's answering here, he answers the questions to what are the benefits of of justification in the believer's life. And we find it in verse 1, we have peace with God. <laughs> I can stop right there. So because of my relationship with the Father, I have now found peace with him. Again, which should eradicate the fact that if I miss it, I shouldn't be looking to be punished. Why? Because I have peace with God now. I am in right standing with him. Are you here? Let's begin at verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. You see this? Resulting in condemnation. That word condemnation also means punishment. Even so, first let's look at this. Judgment came to all men as a result of what? One, who was that one man? Adam. So that propensity to sin and to, to do craziness came from Adam. Oh, you here? Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to what? All men resulting in justification of life. So, again, just like we were born into death because of Adam, we were born into life because of Christ. Are you with me? Now, the offense of Adam, it brought about condemnation to all men. So, you have to understand this. If what Adam did brought about punishment, but the righteous act of Christ brings about justification to life, You have to know that now I have life in Christ, and I shouldn't be looking for punishment. Why? Because that, Brother Damien, was dealt with. The sin, which was a result of Adam, which brought about the punishment. Christ dealt with that. So in him, I have life. 
Who's getting this? Now, the righteous act, then too, the righteous act of Jesus, it, 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 wasn't because, uh, it wasn't because of his life. It wasn't because of him keeping the law. He'd done those things, done them perfectly. But rather, it was his substitutionary death at Calvary's cross is what paid the price. Are you here? <laughs> Are you? Because had he never done that, even though he lived perfectly, we, we would still be in trouble. No, but it was his substitutionary life. Are you here? His substitutionary death at Calvary's cross. This is what brought about justification of life. That is, listen to this, the justification that results in life, and he brought it to all men. So that's the reason why, listen, because of Adam, man was alienated and separated from the presence of God. How? Because of Adam. So if Adam is the one who imposed this on us, if you will, okay, and Christ is the one who takes it away, that shows you why no other name can suffice. <laughs> one, we fell into this because of Adam. That's why there's a need to have this relationship. Nothing you've done. You inherited it. So when people call you old, low-down, dirty sinner, nothing you've done. I was born, I was born, this, I was born into this. So that's why every man has the need to receive Jesus. And listen, he was the substitutionary sacrifice. Nobody else. That's why salvation cannot be found in no other name. Because every other name was tainted with the sin nature. That's why Mary had to be supernaturally impregnated. Jesus couldn't have came through any other man's DNA. Why? Because he would have been affected with the sin nature. So that explains that supernatural birth. Why? Because he could not be tainted with the sin nature. If so, he would not have been a sufficient offering. That's why every other man He's, he's not perfect enough to be your sacrifice. That's a whole nother teaching. But that was just a nugget. Are you here? Now, let's look at this. Verse, I want to show you something. Notice, uh, let me read verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came. Notice it says, to who? All men, Right? But the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. I want you to take notice of the two alls in this verse because they don't refer to the same people, okay? The first all means all who are in Adam are condemned. The second all means all who are in Christ, okay? Now, I'm saying that for a reason because as nice as you may be, as good as you may be, until I become a part of Christ's family, 
I'm still a part of Adam's family. And I'm under condemnation and judgment. Now, the penalty for that has been paid, men of God, but I'm still up under it until I become a part of Christ's family. Oh. This is clear from the words in verse 17. Look at verse 17. See, look. This will make you shout when you really see how God sees you. <laughs> That's good to me. That's what makes me shout. Tell me the truth. Because I, I don't want to run around the church, jump around, then I'm still out here trying to work myself to be right before God. That, that's too much pressure. I'm like walking on eggshells, making sure I do everything perfectly. That's, that's too much of a burden, too much of a load for man to carry. No, I want to know the truth that if I slip and I get up and keep running, Lord, God still loves me, man. Yeah. I need to know that if I fall, I can get up and not look for a hammer to knock me over the head. Are you here? Let me show you something, man. Verse 17, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, notice what it says, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. So the gift must be received by faith. And only those who trust the Lord receive this justification of life. So again, there are those who are part of Adam's family that's condemned. And there are those who are a part of Christ's family who are justified. So if, I'm, if I haven't became a part of Christ's family, I'm still under that judgment and condemnation. Are you here? The penalty has been paid, but I'm still up under that. Are you with me? So how do I get out from up under that? You become a part of Christ's family. Are you here? Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. See, that's the, this is why we have to come into a relationship with him, because I, I, I fell up under this by no fault of my own. Are you here? So also by one man's, oh, be, <laughs> by how many men? So everybody can't be right. Are you here? By one man. That's why we have to throw away, all roads don't lead to the Father. There's only one. That's why Jesus said, I am the, not one of many ways. There are, there are no other ways. That's why before the term Christian came about, they were called followers of the way. Yahweh, they follow, follows up Yahweh or the way. I've already taught you this over the years, so you already know this. So when Jesus came alone declaring, I am the way, the people of that day knew that he was claiming to be the Messiah. So that's why when people get, well, well Christianity, well, sir, before that term was coined, 
we were called followers of the way, which goes back to Genesis when people became, began to call on the name Yahweh. Are you here? That's a apologetics class. Let's stay with this. Are you here? But, but also by one man's. Oh, who was that one man? It wasn't Earl. <laughs> and all the other names you want to name, Jesus, man. Are you here? So just as Adam's sin affects those who are in him, Christ's righteousness affects or benefits only those who are in him. So again, I'm asking you, what family are you a part of? Are you part of the Adams family? <laughs> or Christ's family? Are you here? This is what I want to get to. Uh, I want to get to Romans 6, 1 because... I, Shed some light on that. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered. No, notice now, he's responding to a Jewish objector now. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Do you see this? But where sin abounded, grace did what? Abounded much more. Do you see this? Where sin abounded, grace abounded. Much more. See, I, I, want, I want that to resonate because when we get to Romans 6, 1, you'll understand that it is in response to answering a question. Because when you talk about grace, the first thing people say, hey, well, well uh, see, I can tell you sin that grace may abound. Where sin abound, Grace, much more. So I'm going to show you something in a second. Again, he's, that's like you come to me trying to uh, reject what I'm saying. And I'm, and I'm telling you, let me explain what he's saying. So six is a continuation of five. We added chapter, verse, number. Yeah, but with them it was one big long paragraph. So again, context gives you clarity. That's why you just can't extract one verse if it's not a standalone truth. What I mean by standalone truth, something that doesn't need any other word to establish it. Like when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. I don't need another verse to, to, to submit that. That's a standalone truth. Here's the truth and the way. The light. Are, are you here? So but, you know, a lot of times when we extract the verse out of context, now it becomes a pretext, okay? And, and, and I'm in eisegesis now. Eisegesis is when you put your own assumptions and presumptions on the text. That's why you people say, let me give you, when people say, well, well I believe. No, we, I can't get what you believe. What the words say, man? <laughs> to me, it means, what, what are you? Who taught you how to rightly divide the word? You, you get what I'm saying? Not that the Lord can't give you revelation, but when we talk about the word, we can't be saying what I believe. You could, man, you, we know tradition has messed people up. That's 
and that's what's been handed down. What unlearned for some orators believed. Well, I believe women ought not wear makeup. Why? Without. I think she's a Jezebel. Jezebel has nothing to do with adornment. Jezebel is a dominating spirit. It's not what she wore. But, but if I believe that, because I'm not skilled in hermeneutics or how to properly exegete, then I, I, I would. So, 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 so eisegesis, again, is when you put your own presumptions on a text and it leads you further into that error. Whereas exegesis leads you out. So, so, so that's why whenever you hear the truth, it's to lead you out of whatever had you captive. Are you here? Where were we at? Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that what? Offense may abound. I, circle, because we're going to come back to this. I want you to circle, but where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. Now, the, right here, verse 20, what Paul has been saying came as a jolt to the Jewish objector who felt like everything revolved around the law. See, that's, that, that's what they, because he, 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 he was dealing with uh, Gentiles and Jews in Rome, okay? So the, the Jewish people were still, again, law of Moses. Are you here? So now the objector learns that sin, listen to this, that sin and salvation center not in the law, man of God, but in two federal heads. I said, <laughs> see, I love this. Teaching is what liberates. <laughs> understanding. And all I get in getting understanding. So the objective, objective learns that sin and salvation, it doesn't center in the law, man of God, but in two federal heads, Adam and Christ. It came because of our inner humanity through Adam, and the justification came in the salvation. Notice, I said sin and salvation. Sin came through Adam and salvation by way of Christ. So that's what he's dealing with here. Are you with me? Now, the question then, then the question becomes, well, why was the law given? And, and you've heard this throughout the season. Paul's answer, and, and you know this, the law entered that the offense might abound because it did not originate with sin. The law reveals sin as an offense against God. It did not have the power to save us from sin. It just revealed how sinful we were. That was the purpose of the law, to show you you need this Savior I'm talking about. Are you here? But watch this. Where sin abound, grace abounds much more. Watch this. So God's grace proves to be greater than all man's sin. I'll say it again. God's grace proves to be greater than all men. I mean, I don't care what, Pastor, you don't know, man. I, man, I done did some low down. I'm talking about you can't even get in the Lord. Is God's grace, sir, ma'am, 
proves to be greater than all men's sin. Are you here? Blasphemy against the Holy Ghost is the rejection of Christ. You know, that's what people say. Oh, you can't go to heaven to blaspheme. Well, blasphemy is when you reject the message, you reject the Messiah. Not you did something real, real bad. No, it's you rejecting the Messiah. That's blasphemy. Oh, you hear? And I'm saying that to say because you have people who think they've done, done something so wrong that they're beyond saving. God's grace will even reach way down there and pick you up. Are you here? You guys here? Now, again, where sin abounded, God's grace at Calvary's cross abounded much more. So this can make sense in a minute. Verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might, this verse 21. So that as sin reigned what? In death. What was reigning? Sin. Even so grace might reign through what? Righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So those of us believers, grace is reigning through you, in you. Whereas sin was once reigning on me now, grace, oh, y'all missing this, is what's reigning in my life now. Whereas sin was reigning, Chelsea, grace is now reigning. Let's look at this. Again, this is not what we're hearing. <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> Let me say it this way. When Christ came, the reign of sin that inflicted death on, on all men ended. I said again, when Christ came, paid the price, sin that was reigning that inflicted all men ended. Who gets that? Now Grace daughter is reigning through righteousness. He dealt with the sin nature, the sin issue. That's why he gives us eternal life through Christ. Now, notice it says that grace reigns through righteousness, okay? And I, I want to, I we're talking about what? Practice and what? Position and practice. Notice it says that grace reigns through righteousness. All of the demands of God's holiness have been met. That's why Hebrews tells us that we were made holy once and for all by way of Christ. So what you do is not what makes you holy. What you wear is not what makes you holy. How you talk is not what makes you holy. Christ made us holy. He sanctified us. And when you understand that, I talk in line with his word, I walk in line with his word, I live in line with his word because I know who I am in him. Are you here? 
Let me show you something. All the demands of holiness have been met, and the penalty of the law has been paid, so God can now grant eternal life to all who come to him on the merits of Christ's finished work, which was our substitute. Now, verse 6. I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 1. Now here, notice I said that Paul dealt with 11 questions that he answered every one of these objectives questions relative to the gospel of grace. In chapter 6, he deals with another question, and the question he's dealing with in chapter 6 is, does the teaching of salvation by grace through faith permit or even encourage sinful living? What do you think it is, yes or no? Absolutely not. But it, it, it amazes me how when you talk about grace, we, we want to, we have, people always run to this. Shall we continue seeing it? Grace may abound, certainly not. Listen, we're seeing abound. Grace much more abounded or abounded much more. Let me show you something. So, again, what Paul has said at the close of chapter 5, that grace superabounded over all man's question, it, 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 and it does, it raises a very important question. Are you here? Does the teaching of the gospel of salvation by grace through faith permit or even encourage sinful living? The answer is a emphatic denial. Absolutely not. And he, he, deals, he answers this question over the courses of chapter 6 through chapter 8. Are you here? And I want you to write this down, and I know we're not going to get to it today. But here in chapter 6, the answer centered around three key words. I want you to write these three words down, and we probably most likely pick them up next week. So, again, in chapter 6, he centers around, he answers the question that centers around three key words, okay? No, N-O-W, I'm sorry, K-N-O-W, reckon or consider, you can say, because the Consider what translation you use. Reckon or consider and present. So know, reckon, and present. So what, he, what is he dealing with in chapter 6? Know, reckon, and what? Present. So shall we continue to send the grace of God? Absolutely not. And he deals with that with understanding know, reckon, and present. But, but here's the thing. He's answering a question. Now, let, let, me, I wanna, um, let me jump to this real quick and I'll come back to it. Let me, let me, let me jump here. Then I'll go back. Verse 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue saying that grace may abound? Notice the Jewish objector comes forward with what he, notice he thinks this is a clinching, oh, oh, I got you now. So it's like someone saying, if the gospel of grace teaches that man sins, here's what the guy was saying. And this is verse 1, you have to know it's in response to a question. Okay? So we just can't just go to this verse without understanding the context. It's connected to chapter number 5. Okay? So the Jewish objector comes forward with what he thinks is a clinching argument, and here's what he says. 
if the gospel of grace teaches that man's sins provide for an even greater display of God's grace, then doesn't it suggest that we should continue in sin that grace may be all the more abundant? Do you see that? So here's, here's, here's what the guy's saying. He's like, he's like saying, Minister Gerald, well, if, 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 if God's grace uh, teaches that men's sins, because of sin, grace much more abound, should we continue in sin? Who gets what I'm saying? He's saying, well, if, God's, if we're sin abound, grace much more abound, is it logical to keep sinning? So I can keep, keep getting more grace. Do you see what I'm saying? So he's asking. That's what this is saying. But we look at it as we're sinning about grace much more. But no, no. The objector was asking, well, if, I, if there's more grace when I sin, shouldn't I keep sinning so I can get more grace? Do you get what I'm saying? I'm going to show you something because it's going to make sense here in a second. Who, who, I'm not moving another further until y'all, y'all got what I'm saying. If grace, daughter, were sin abound, if grace abound much more, that's like me saying, well, minister, should I keep sinning? Because it sounds like to me, if I keep sinning, there's going to be more grace. But that's what he's saying. So Paul says, certainly not. Oh, <laughs> look at verse two. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Oh, <laughs> look at verse two. Watch this. <laughs> uh, certainly not. How? Why? Why can't you? Certainly not. Why? Because how shall we who have? Oh, see, we've died to it. So I can't do it. Oh, y'all missed that. Certainly not. It's impossible. Why? Because I'm dead to it. That's what he said. I can't keep doing it. Why? Because I'm dead to it. We, that ain't what we've been taught. Been, as soon as we hear grace, oh, so you continue in sin that grace may abound. If you go back to five, we see that what happened? Because it's in grace abounded. So the objector was saying, Shonda, you trying to miss somebody's salvation. They coming out, whatever. So it sounds, well, it sounds like if I keep sinning, grace abound. So should I keep sinning? Where I can get more grace, and then, then you'll come in and say, no, absolutely not. Well, why, Sister Shonda? Because you've been dead. You're dead to sin. You can't sin. Why? Because you are dead to it. Now, you can fall short of the glory of God, but we talk now, we, we got to look at What's, he's talking about the sin issue that separated us from the father. Once you were born, I, that's no longer an issue. Why? Because that has been settled.
Boy, boy, I don't know about you, but that should have said at least about two people like, oh, thank you. Gee. Oh, I'm going to go back and tell my other pastor, you wrong for what you told me. I'm. See, when you tie it to, it makes sense. He's talking to an opposer. Well, so, you know, it could go either way. You could be in a monotone voice, somebody come to you. Well, well what you're saying is, man, it sounds more logical to keep sinning if grace can abound much more. No, certainly not. Well, why not then? So we dead to it. Can't do it. Can't do that. That's why you have to know, reckon, and position. <laughs> Let me just give this a little bit. Let's close it. We'll come back to that next week. Because y'all, I need to say that again. I need to say that to you again because y'all look like, I still don't get it. What, 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 Look, let me tell you something, man. It, it, this is not an arrogant statement, or you, you, and I learned this in school. You know, before just like in days of antiquity and early culture, when I get before you now, what people might kick it, or whatever. I've done studied it. I, I've already factored in the equation, Krista, the object, uh, objectors, but it's the truth. Now, if you can give me. Scripture and verse, we, we own something. But if you're going to give me your opinion, why you believe it and why it, no, I don't want to hear that. I'm giving you scripture, rightly divided. Understand context. We, 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 listen, it's good news. Wait, hold up. But th that's, that's what we should be preaching. The good news. See, that's good. But unfortunately, most of what's been taught hadn't been good news. Are you here? Now, again, here in chapter 6, it, let me give you just a little bit and let me get to a place of closing because I, I need to show you this. Notice I said we're holy because of what Christ did, right? So uh, here, Paul's, his answer sent around three key words, and we'll pick, up, we'll pick up on that next week. Know, reckon, or consider, and present. Now, it'll help us to follow Paul's argument in this chapter if we, now, if we understand the difference between position and its practice. Because for, now he just, see, he, he got to deal with this now because it's certainly not how, because uh, uh, how shall we who died to see and live any longer? He said, no, you, you, you're dead to that now. That's why John tells us, when his seed remains in you, you cannot sin. You have to hear my bishop teach that because he, you need to go, go back and listen to our bishop. Because he's, when I say we're in the same vein. So it will help us understand the difference. So we can understand this better if we understand the believer's position and his practice. Write this down. Let me put it in my hand so you can know I'm getting to a place to stop. 
his position, say my position, for the believer now, in God, is I'm in right standing with Christ. So as a believer, your position is in, or your position is you are in right standing with him. So you can say it like this, your position is your standing in Christ. And your standing is what? I've been made right before God because of who? Jesus, right? Let me, okay, y'all, let me show you real quick. Who's getting something? It's totally silent on this side. Let me, so this the side, just let me, let me stand over here. Is the mic on on that side? <laughs> in a hot second. Second Corinthians five twenty one amplifier. Let me show you something, and then I'm, I'm gonna give you another chance because of grace. Any on this side get what I'm saying? Let me. He made. Christ, you see this, who knew no sin, judicially be what? Sin on our behalf. So that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made what? Guys, you, you, listen, you are acceptable to God now. That's what we need to hear. Who heard that? Maybe. Coming up, you're acceptable to God. Maybe, man, you keep out here falling, man, you going to hell. Doggone, bruh. Man, what's the grace? Oh, sinner. I'm, I'm still a sinner after I'm saved now? See, this is good news knowing what I'm acceptable. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and Watch this. Placed in a right relationship with him by his what? Grace and love and kindness. So positionally, Brother Damien, we are in what? Right standing with it. That's your position. What? Th thank you, sir. So positionally, I'm in right standing. I'm acceptable. So your position is your standing in Christ. Your Okay, now, now we get into it. Your practice is what you should be doing in everyday life. You get it? Positionally, I'm holy. Practically, or my practice every day should live a life that corresponds with my position. And you can tell, daughter, by the way that I walk, that I understand my position. Holy. What to be set apart, distinguished, other than. So there should be a distinction between you and a person who's out of position, being that still in Adam's family. Are you here? See, grace puts us into position, then it teaches us to walk worthy of it. Y'all looking at me like. Tamara seems to be getting it. 
Let me talk to her. Talk to Tamara for a second. Grace puts us into position, then teaches us to walk worthy of it. What did I just say? So, whoever started the lie that grace said you can live any kind of way, they haven't read the Bible. You never heard that here. Titus 3, 5 through 7. Let me show you something. What did I just say? Grace does what, man of God? Put us in position. Then it does what? Then it teaches us how to walk worthy. So when I understand the message of grace, I should be walking worthy thereof. He saved us not because of any, here it go again, not because of any rights. Be good, guys. Walk, walk, do all the stuff you're supposed to do that's in line with the word. But doing those things is not what caused you to be in position. Christ got me in position. He saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but because of his own compassion and mercy. By the what? Cleansing of the new birth, spiritual transformation, regeneration, and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out reason upon us through who? Okay, Jesus Christ, I say, verse 7. I, I need you to see this. So that we should be what? Just see, here, here it goes again. Made free of the guilt or the condemnation or the punishment that came as a result of what Adam did. By his compassionate, undeserved grace, and that we, what, what? Be, circle that, acknowledged as, see, again, grace puts you in position, then teaches how to walk worthy thereof. So, notice, we are acknowledged as what? Acceptable to him. Will you say this? God sees me as being acceptable to him. See, some can't say that because you're thinking, you see, you saying that because your practice isn't like all where it needs to be. Positionally, you're good. Just keep practicing. And the more you practice, the more you look like him. There you go. Like your position. Are you here? Do you see this? So verse, now, notice I said grace puts us into position, then teaches us to walk worthy of it. Now, let me show you something else. Now, we see right here, we acknowledge. So, again, my standing is right with God. Now, let's look at Titus 2.11, 12, and maybe I'll, I, yeah, this would be a good place to close right in here. You hear? Let's look at this. For the remarkable what? Undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Do you see this? Again, this is not universalism. This doesn't mean, uh, uh, oh, everybody's already saved. Provision for salvation has already been made. But you got to accept. You hear? It teaches us to what? Wait, hold on. What, what does grace do? It teaches us to reject so who's telling you to live any kind of way? 
No, when you understand the message of grace, you, one, you're talking about the man Jesus, but it teaches us to what? Reject ungodliness and worldly, immoral desires to live sensible, upright, and godly lives, lives with a purpose that reflect spiritual maturity in this present age. So the more you walk this thing, you know what's going to happen? There's maturity coming. So that's what Matthew means when he says, be ye perfect as Christ is perfect. He's not saying perfect in the sense of flawlessness. That word in the Greek has to do with maturity through a process of development. So the more you do it, the more you become developed, the more you mature. That's what he's, he's not saying flawless. No. He's talking about being mature. Are you here? Which is going to come over practice. Are you with me? Okay, so again, we just seen, and I gave you the verses. Did we read all of them? It teaches us to reject. Do you see this? So, now, again, our, oh, you need to write this down. Our position is absolutely perfect because we are in Christ. Our position is absolutely perfect. Why? Because we are in Christ. So positionally, I'm good. Our practice should increasingly correspond to our position. That's why I know it teaches us to reject ungodliness. So our position is absolutely perfect because we are in Christ. Our practice should increasingly correspond to our what? Position. So when I really understand the message of grace, you will know by my walk of shunning away from things that are immoral and, then, then, you know, I'm not going to live like I don't have sense. I'm not going to live ungodly. I'm going to reject all that. Why? Because I want to live in such a way that it reflects my position. <laughs> so anybody doing otherwise, they don't understand this, Christian. If they just out here just living... Ungodly, any kind of way, you, 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 you've heard that message somewhere else incorrectly. Because when you understand the message of grace, it will cause you to walk, what, upright. Are you here? Now, let me say this. Let me say this. Our position is our standing in Christ. Our practice is what we should be doing in everyday life. Right? Now, it would never correspond perfectly until we see our Savior. Okay? But we should be becoming more and more conformed to his image in the meantime. See, you know, the reason why I say we're not, we won't conform to that perfectly because we're still in a flawed system. And you still have the ability to fall short. So in that regard, you, to say you'll never miss it again, that's a big feat. That, that's a big, that, that, I don't know if that's anybody can. But pe you, you have self-righteous people, Christians will tell you, hey, man, I've been saved 25 years. I ain't never did nothing. See, that, you done told a lie right there. Don't lie like that. Don't do that. Don't tell them kind of lies, man. That means you being perfect. Not but one who didn't. That was Jesus. Y'all ever heard of people like this? 
Oh, yeah, I ain't never doubt. See, no. See, when people talk like that, I start going, I start sliding like, man, let me, man, because I don't want nothing to hit me to hit. <laughs> never. I don't, I don't oh, see that. I'm told to fear. All right. Now, understand this, and I'm closing. The believer becomes positionally holy at the time of his conversion. You become positionally holy at the time you are set apart to God from the world. Now, let me tell you this, and I'm going to close. You become positionally holy when? At the time of your conversion. So there is a positional sanctification, which means holy, same thing. Matter of fact, the word saint, the Greek word hagias means holy. So the fact that you are saint, you are holy. Okay, so there is a positional sanctification. You get that when? So there's a position of holiness that comes when? At the time of your conversion. Then there is a practical sanctification. That's what we do every day. That's the practice. That's the separating ourselves from ungodly living, living upright, living sensible. So there is a, I can't close until y'all get it because I, I need you to understand this, man. Y'all, I'm, I'm trying to close. I'm waiting on y'all to get it. There is a, Positional sanctification, the whole same word. There's a positional sanctification that comes when? At the time of your conversion. There is a practical sanctification. That's what we should be doing every day. Then there is a perfect or complete sanctification. This takes place whenever the believer goes to be with the Lord. Why? Because now his state perfectly corresponds with his standing. Because he's finally in his presence. Oh, that was. So there is a positionally holiness. That's You get that when? That's who I am. Then there is a practical sanctification. That's every day what we should be doing, walking it out, as we say. Then there is a perfect. So you, you only get that complete. So those who want to get the complete, you have to go on. To be with the Lord. So those who bent on being, you want that perfect sanctification, uh, you, uh, you have to catch the next train, bus, or however you plan to get there. I don't know which, how you're trying to go. But it won't be perfect. <laughs> Until when? Now, watch this. I, I can, I, ooh, we can get, we can keep, we can get closer this week, Z, and we might get, ooh, I mean, you might get, in arm's reach, but you, you won't ever actually touch them. Don't stick your hand out because I ain't. No, I got work to do. Stay over there. Stay. Stay. Pastor, you don't want to see the Lord. Ain't, he don't want to see me. He, no, he ain't ready to see me because I got work to do. You got work to do.
going nowhere. I, like I said, I'm going to be teaching, if, if, if he's Terry, I'm going to be teaching your children, 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 children. And I'm not going to be doing it bent over either. Walking just like I'm walking now. When I feel like coming in here. I'm not going to be 80 in here trying. I don't, 80, there's nothing else for me to If you ain't ready to go by the end, y'all ain't going. I mean, you know, having that, you know, yeah, y'all, if you ain't good by the end, <laughs> so every now and then I'm just peek my head and go, hey, y'all, y'all still holding on? <laughs> Who got that? So, so there, there is a what? Positional holiness that you get when you're at conversion. There's a practical, that's what we should be doing every day. Then there's a perfect or complete. And you only reach that. See, that's your reward when you're going to be with the Lord. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to make a donation and support this ministry as we expand the kingdom of God, please visit ShekinahGloryFC.com or download our church app from iTunes App Store or Google Play by searching Shekinah Glory FC and click Give to make your donation.